This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia. Notes in the margin of a book. Notes, commentary, and similar material Marginalia written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes that which are, are incidental, incidental or additional to the main topic. The main topic in the margin of a book. Kansas native Kate Williams is no stranger to the propulsive young adult novel. I last spoke with her in 2019 for the release of The Babysitter's Coven, the first of a three-book series. Williams is back with Never Coming Home, a new standalone thriller for young adults that dives into some of the joys and terrors of social media. Inspired by Agatha Christie, Kate Williams' newest release follows 10 social media influencers stranded on an island as they try to sort out their own whodunit mystery. I spoke with Kate Williams about Agatha Christie, her Kansas roots, and the appeal of writing for young audiences. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginalia, and here's our conversation. Can you give our listeners a description of the book? The book is the story of 10 young influencers who come from kind of all different areas that are all public facing. So there's a chef, there's a junior politician, there's an entrepreneur, there are a couple of like TikTok stars, there's a beauty blogger, and they are all invited to this island for what they think is a very high profile, like hospitality launch and activation. You know, it's this you know, luxury resort that has had this viral marketing campaign because it's free. So people apply to, you know, go to the island for like a free vacation. And, and the whole setup with the island is that, you know, it is bringing people together to make connections. And it's, you know, like fostering this like future generation of thinkers and movers and shakers. And then once they get there, it becomes clear very quickly that, you know, that was all a scam, that none of the marketing around this place was real. But now that they're there, they can't get off. And it also is revealed that they've all been invited for kind of these, you know, reasons that not everyone is aware of. And then very quickly, things get dangerous and people start to die. It felt a bit like... Final Destination and the Fry Festival scandal, which was mentioned at one point. But, you know, it's a modern twist on Agatha Christie's and then there were none. So what inspired you to update Christie's classic with social media influencers? Well, I grew up in a house full of mystery readers. Like my mom and dad uh, both, you know, read a lot of mysteries. And the Agatha Christie books that I have are actually uh, inherited from my grandpa. They're all like old paperbacks from like the 60s and 70s. So I've always been a big fan of her work and obviously the way she constructs mysteries. But one of the things that I always really liked about her was she had a very sharp eye for unlikable characters. And in so many of her mysteries, there would always be this like awful, annoying, pretentious person who was usually a social climber. And, you know, they were just kind of like delicious in the way that they annoyed you as the reader. And sometimes these characters would, you know, go on to become the murder victim. So you're like, oh, murder is bad, but that person got what was coming to them, (laughs) you know? And so I kind of started to think about like what Agatha Christie's take on our contemporary culture would be with 
social media having kind of turned everyone into a social climber in a way that everyone is, you know, agitating for more likes, more follows, a higher profile, um, you know, and it's also very interesting because with social media now we have a very, you know, concrete and dry number attached to popularity. Um, so that was kind of just what got me thinking about telling this kind of very classic, like locked room mystery, but in this time when everything is very exaggerated and public for certain people. You know, I'm only familiar with a few Agatha Christie mm -hmm. uh, mysteries, but it, it does feel like just when you get to know a character, they end up dead and they couldn't possibly be the killer. And you had to flesh out 10 primary characters in your book. Did one resonate with you more than the others? You know, it's funny there. I actually ended up having some surprising favorites. Um, and I actually ended up really liking a lot of them. You know, it's funny, like I said, you know, my intention with this book when I set out was I wanted to write a book full of unlikable characters that the reader was going to kind of, you know, be a little excited to see those characters get what was coming to them. But as I went through several different drafts of this and the characters evolved and their backstories got more complicated, I really started to feel for a lot of them and see them, you know, as, you know, they're all just humans who have made mistakes, who are now paying for those mistakes in this kind of very extreme and outsized way. So I don't know that there was like really one that particularly, you know, was like my favorite, but I just really enjoyed kind of the, the breadth and the variety of all of these different characters. Was it difficult to kill your darlings? It, it really was actually, you know, there were some <laughs> of them that, you know, I was like, oh my God, you've grown so much. Like, I think you are a good person. I think you'll, you know, you're you're like atoning for your sins and I can't wait to see what you do in the future. And then, but yeah, there, you know, that's, that's what you had to do as a writer. So I understand that you conducted extensive research into social media and the lives of influencers. And since social media plays such an important role throughout, I wonder about your own attitude toward mm -hmm. social media. Can you talk about the pros and cons of social media for teens? And, you know, is it, a, is it a blessing? Is it a curse? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, one of the things that is so amazing about social media is that it has removed these gatekeepers where previously if someone wanted to, you know, be famous, there were certain avenues, like you had to become an actor, you had to become like a musician and you had to get a record deal, you had to get cast. Like if you were a young person, it's like you had to have parents that were willing to move to Los Angeles or New York. And now with social media, you see all of these kids who become like really famous, like just from their bedrooms and they're doing it all themselves. And I also think, you know, for traditional celebrities who do come through those channels of like film or television or music, social media gives them a voice. Whereas before they had to rely on the mainstream media to kind of tell the world who they are. And now they can do that directly. And I think for young women, that's especially powerful because 
you have seen this like in previous decades before social media was so wildly available, these young women would be very much like kind of shoved into these stereotypical roles where they would be like the sex kitten or like the baby. And you, know, you see like Britney Spears and like what she went through as a very young, famous woman who her, she had no control over her image because everything just got spun one way by her label or by a magazine. And I don't think that happens so much now because with social media, these people can speak directly to their fans and they can tell their own story. The cons I think are that not everyone is prepared for the kind of scrutiny that fame brings. And that's speaking of like, you know, these influencers who reach this like very, very high level when they're very young. Again, because they are doing it all themselves. So they don't have the kind of safety net and support that people who were in traditional ways of becoming famous would have. And on an individual level, I think that social media kind of gets into everyone's brain, even if they're not like an influencer per se, because it kind of has taught us to spin our lives in a way that is going to get likes. And so for some people that is, you know, spinning it so that everything looks perfect for other people that's spinning it so that they're continually like giving people what they want while downplaying, you know, the other aspects of themselves. Like with TikTok, it's very big on find your niche and stick with that niche. Whereas like, if you have all of these varied interests, but you're always trying to give your audience what they want and stick with that niche, like eventually that starts to feel kind of stifling. And I think that, you know, that is something that I hear when I talk to a lot of young people that use social media is that it just like makes them feel bad about themselves because they're always like comparing themselves to other people. And again, it's like, you're not necessarily seeing the full picture of someone else's life to compare yourself to. You're seeing the like slice that they want you to see. And so I think it, you know, it's, it's very complicated and it's like any form of technology, there are good things about it and there are bad things about it and you know it's just navigating that and i think it's a new kind of literacy to understand social media and be able to use it in a way that does not you know have negative effects on how you perceive yourself and just your mental state you know you mentioned with social media people are able to have their own voice mm -hmm. But since they spin how they want to be perceived, how well, how well do we really get to know each other on social media? I mean, can we ever really know someone else? I don't know. You know, I think about like, sometimes you do. Like, I have friends that I have, you know, made through social media, um, who know, like I now consider to be like, legitimate friends. And I think some people do achieve that and then others don't. Um, I think that that is a big part of like the influencer fame game is that their fans really think they know them. And that can be great in some ways um, because it inspires a lot of loyalty. 
But again, those fans feel very personally invested in that person. So if that person does something that the fans don't like, then they come for them really hard. When we last spoke in 2019, it was just after the release of The Babysitter's Coven. And now there are three books in that series. Mm -hmm. And so congratulations on that success. So I'm wondering, how has the publishing process changed or evolved since you first were published? And can you talk about your experience transitioning from writing a fantasy series to a thriller? They're very different books. And in a way for me, this feels like a debut again, because again, it's like, I'm not, it's not the type of books that I'm known for. Um, But for me, I'm able to do professionally what I love personally. And I feel that's a very precious thing. And so I work very hard to protect it. And Never Coming Home was the book that I wanted to write after I finished The Babysitter's Coven. So that was just what I went with rather than trying to, you know, kind of stay in a particular genre. And that's very exciting. I think I'm definitely a mood reader. Like I read all different kinds of books and it just depends on what I feel like reading at that time. And I'm realizing that I am also a mood writer. (laughs) So um, Never Coming Home was written in like 2020 and 2021 when we were in like, you know, the depths of the pandemic when more and more of our lives were being, you know, funneled into online platforms. And so, you know, this was a story that just felt top of mind to me at that time. And also, again, it's like, people weren't really traveling at that time. So it's like to write something that was about travel was, you know, very, that was very fun. And also, you know, like I kind of got to mine, like my memories of like, oh, when I did fly halfway around the world and go to an island. And I think for me, the publishing process hasn't necessarily changed. The writing process has changed a lot. I'm sure you're familiar with the term plotter and pantser. So plotters, people who like outline everything and pantsers are people who just sit down and write. And when I wrote The Babysitter's Coven, I thought I was a pantser. And now I understand that I need to have a very, very detailed outline. I need to know exactly what I'm doing before I start writing. And so for that, this book was much easier for me to write than anything that I've written previously because... I've had three books to figure out what process works best for me. And this was the first book that I really got to put that into practice. So what draws you to the young adult genre? I just love young people, you know, like I think that, I mean, I love kids in general, but I think there's a purity to teenagers that kind of wanes as you get older. And I think a lot of that is social conditioning is that we are told that kind of the passion with which we live when we're adolescents is something that we need to grow out of. And I've just always, you know, I have a lot of appreciation for that time in my own life and the person that I was when I was a teenager. And, 
you know, I, I still find that age group really inspiring because they're very smart and they're very savvy and, you know, they, they really do believe that life is supposed to be this like epic, exciting adventure. And I think a lot of us lose that as we get older and, you know, you get kind of bogged down in the mundane details of life and you know writing for teenagers and writing about teenagers like I feel like it's just so freeing because you get to channel these like big emotions and ideas into your characters I love that Kansas shows up as a location it's in some way throughout all of your books so far so you grew up in Wichita, yeah. you moved away, but now you live in Lawrence. Can you talk about how you incorporate your home state into your writing and, and why you do that? Um, I mean, I, I love Kansas. Uh, you know, I have a tattoo of the Kansas State motto <laughs> that I got soon after I moved out of Kansas in my early 20s. I think Kansas is an amazing place to grow up. For me, when I was growing up in Kansas, like, you know, I was a teenager in the 90s. So, you know, there there's pre-internet. So everything else felt, everything felt very far away. But again, there was like a big freedom to that. And I think that, you know, it just is not something that you see a lot of places in pop culture. You know, it's like, you see like a million like TV shows that are set in California or, things that are said about like teenagers in New York. So I've just really, you know, been drawn to the idea of giving those Midwestern kids like a thing to latch on to. And it's funny, like I um, was talking to my cousin's son a couple days ago and he grew up in Kansas and just went away to college. You know, he was talking about like how when people find out he's from Kansas, they're like, oh, what do you even do in Kansas and blah, blah, blah. And The thing that I learned really early on was that Kansas is actually a place that people are interested in because they haven't seen it, you know, in a million movies and TV shows. So they don't really have an idea of what growing up in Kansas is like. So, you know, when I moved away, like it was very fun because I soon learned that like me saying, oh, I'm from Kansas was like a conversation stopper that then everyone had like questions and they wanted to know what it was like. And they were like, well, how'd you end up in New York city? And I was like, you looked around like half the people here are Midwestern, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I've just always loved being from Kansas. And I, I wanted to put a little bit of that in my books. The last time we talked, you said your hope for audiences of the book would be that your book would be entertaining and make them yeah. laugh. What is your hope for audiences of never coming home? That's a very, very good question. Um, I think that there's a lot of very dark humor in never coming home, which I kind of forget about, but then every once in a while, someone will say something like, you know, this is, you know, absurd. And, and that makes me very happy. I think, you know, I, wanted to entertain, obviously, you know, that is my number one goal as a writer is that I want to, you know, create something that takes people out of their present circumstances, you know, just for a few minutes. Um, But I think with Never Coming Home, I wanted people to think about social media 
and how we use the internet. And I also wanted people to think about the idea of how we punish people for their mistakes. You know, I think that we, as a culture, you know, we love, we love two trajectories with our celebrities. We love them as they're coming up and then we love them as they're going down. And, you know, there's a lot of cruelty in that cycle. So I think I just kind of, you know, wanted people to think about those two things. And, you know, maybe the next time they go to leave a nasty comment on, you know, some celebrity's page that maybe they'll think twice and be like, oh yeah, this is a real person who, you know, is doing the best they can in their own way. And to also kind of just think about how they use these platforms. I think a lot of it for all of us is kind of just, it's become ingrained and it's not something that we give a lot of thought to anymore. But I think that, you know, as we're seeing things now with, you know, everything that's happening with like the metaverse and different like privacy settings and things like that, you know, I think people are kind of starting to be like, I can't just be on autopilot about the information that I put out online about myself. And so, yeah, it's just to make people think. Well, Kate Williams, the book is Never Coming Home. Congratulations and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Beth. This was so great. It's good to talk to you again. That was Kate Williams, author of the book, Never Coming Home, which was published by Delacorte Press. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens. Our producer is Haley Krausen. And our marketing assistant is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.